Hey everybody, it's awesome to be able to be with you from wherever you are in the world. A very big welcome here to Victory Life Church Online. We are really getting into our, our minds into this new series, or not so new anymore, but the Conscience Series. And before we jump into this session, Conscience number five, let's pray together, then we'll welcome everybody and get straight into the Word this week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the time that we can have together. We thank you that as we continue to grow, you are always shaping us, teaching us, leading us, and helping us as we continue to become those who you wish us to be, living lives that you wish us to become. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your love and your care, your direction direction and your concern for us as you continue to grow us. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All around the world, a very big welcome to you. If you've decided to join us here in the room, or you're joining us from your favorite living room or your favorite coffee shop, a very big welcome to Victory Life Church Online. We've been having a look at a series entitled Conscience, and what does it mean to listen to that voice on the inside of you? This series has really been based on a couple of, of scriptures that that teach us that there's a, a voice on the inside of us, a voice that God has placed on the inside of us. Remember that scripture, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21? Your ears will hear the word behind you saying, go this way or go that way, whether you go left or you go right. Remember we said that our conscience is something that helps us take decisions. It's something that helps us guide us into what friends we should have. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, remember it said, Bad associations spoil useful habits. It's a, it's a process of understanding that if we hang out with the wrong people, our conscience can very easily become entangled in the wrong things. And as we drift away from God's Word, we find that our conscience slowly but surely becomes quieter and quieter until such time as we're not hearing from our conscience anymore, and that's a really dangerous place to be. And then we took a look and said, well, how do we make sure that we constantly Constantly listening to the Word of God? How do we make sure that we making our conscience sprout forth the life, the Word of God in us all the time? And then last week, we had a look at saying, how do we use our conscience to shape our habits? How do we use our conscience to shape our habits? And remember, that was about understanding that if we allow the Word of God to constantly be speaking at us, and we allow that Word of God to flow through us, we can stand on the power of God's Word and break habits. Our conscience is not wagging a condemnatory finger at us all the time going, you should have done this, you should have done that. No, it's helping us in understanding our process, our thought process of the Word of God. God. What is God wanting to do in our lives? And our conscience is simply amplifying God's Word. We said as well last week, and, and something I wanted just to reiterate before we jump into this week's message, that scripture in Luke chapter 11 and verse 28. Luke eleven twenty-eight 28 says, more than that, blessed are those who not only hear the word of God, not only hear your conscience speaking, not only hear what God is saying to you, not knowing, oh, that's wrong, that's right, I, I know I've, I've got this tussle on the inside of me, and it's not just about hearing your conscience, it's actually about habitually being obedient to the God, word of God. It's about making that your new habit, making that your immediate 10-second rule. God speaks, you do. 
God speaks, you do. It's not about thinking, reasoning. If it is in the Word of God, it's in the Word of God for a reason. It's been placed in there so that you can have a life of promise and a life of abundance. It has not been placed in the Word of God to wag a finger at you. No, your conscience is there to help you, guide you towards habitual obedience of God's Word. This week, I thought it would be really good to understand how our conscience is used to actually hear from God and make decisions. You know, we have to make decisions all the time, whether we're going left or right, says Isaiah. It says there's a voice that will guide us whether we're going left or right. God works with a decision. One of the things that really irritates me as a pastor is when people come up to me and say, oh, I'm waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. Waiting on God for what? What are we waiting on God for? God calls us to get up and make a decision. You remember the story of Pharaoh. Moses went into the house of Pharaoh, spoke to Pharaoh the first time, and, God, and, and he hardened his heart towards God. Moses said, let my people go the second time. And the second time, Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. Moses went away and came in the third time. And Scripture says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then Moses came in the fourth time. And Scripture changes its verbiage and says, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why did that change? Well, Pharaoh had taken a decision. That's what God needed. He would never force his will, even on an evil despot like, like, like Pharaoh, he would never, ever, ever force his will on anybody, good or bad. He will never force his will. He wants us to choose. He wants us to make decisions. He wants us to know what our expression is. He wants to know what we're thinking. What our conscience is telling us, he doesn't only want to hear it, he wants us to keep it. He wants us to make a decision based on our conscience. And when we work with our conscience, when we work with this decision-making process that God has placed on the inside of us, when we work with this voice of God trying to help us to grow, to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, we sometimes get to a place where we, we, we have excuses like, I'm waiting on God. Or, or, or I don't really know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. And we have all of these kind of excusing type questions that we put in place before we make a decision. God needs us to hear our conscience and follow through with a decision. He needs us to take our Bible-based conscience our Bible-trained conscience, our Word of God alive consciences, hear that voice, hear that advice, hear that check, hear that yes, hear that no, and then make a decision and act on it. It's only once we can make a decision that God can confirm, He can blow into, He can guide us, He can lead us, He can shape us. But until such time as we've made a God-oriented, Bible-trained, conscientious decision, God's waiting on you. God's not waiting for you to wait on Him. No, He's waiting on you to listen to the voice on the inside of you that He's placed in you to make that decision. So today we're going to have a look at how do we take conscientious decisions? How do we take decisions around some of those big questions? And what are the kinds of decisions that God is speaking to you through your conscience? 
One of the most commonly asked questions to me as a pastor, and I'm sure pastors around the world are saying, yes, that's a commonly asked question, is, is how do I know what God wants from me? How, how, do I know? how do I know I've heard the voice of God? And people all around the world think that, that hearing the voice of God is this big auditory moment where the windows rattle and the thunder rolls and, and Scripture comes alive and there's voices in your head. Well, no, that's not always how it happens. And if you've never had that experience, don't think that you are a second-rate Christian because you haven't heard the audible voice of God. No, nine times out of ten, God is speaking to you through your God-trained, Bible-trained conscience. The small, still voice, the unctions on the inside of you, the desires that are confirmed in Scripture, the reading of God's Word, all of those kinds of things God is using to speak to you. What's God's will for my life? What is my purpose? How do I hear from God? And I think sometimes that making decisions, making conscientious decisions, would be so much easier if we could just hear the voice of God. How many times have you not just said to God, God, just, just tell me what to do. I'm done. I'm, I'm done trying. I'm done trying to figure this out on my own. Just, just tell me what to do, God. Wouldn't decisions be so much easier if we could just dial 911 God and, and get help like that, and we could, we could have a direct line to God? Well, it doesn't always work like that because God doesn't force His will. He's not just going to give you a command anymore. No, since the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry, Jesus taught us that the Old Testament had been fulfilled. The old law had been fulfilled. The thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, they were still true, but there was a new lens that we needed to look through those commands through, and that was called the grace lens and the love of Jesus lens and all of the wonderful things that Jesus taught us. Love neighbors and love God rather than loving yourself. And all of those things will be fulfilled. You'll be able to do all of those other laws. So making decisions is a difficult thing. Do we hear audibly? Do we hear from the Lord? Do we, what, what do we do? Well, making decisions is a process, especially the big ones. They're not ones that are naturally just going to come to you and a voice of God's going to speak to you. No, but making decisions should be a process of listening, training, hearing, thinking. How do we make those decisions with our Bible-trained conscience? Don't, don't get me wrong. Decision-making is stressful. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Decision-making is not something that comes naturally to a whole lot of us. I think we can all attest to the fact that we kind of give ourselves time frames when it comes to big decisions. Well, I know that by the end of the week, I need to make this decision. Or, or maybe the other one, like I, I often do. Well, I'm so glad I didn't have to make a decision on that one. I just kind of let, let things happen and then see how it goes, and I don't ever make a decision. Maybe you like me as well, and you kind of look back on your life, and you think that some of the major decisions in your life, you've kind of just fallen into. You didn't really make that decision. It just kind of happened to you. It just You let life make the decision for you. I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that. What car should I buy? What, who should I marry? Am I to marry? Or should I have taken that job? Should I have studied that course? What should I have majored in? Where should I go? Where should I work? Should I take that pay cut and work here or take the pay rise and work there? All of these decisions swamp us every single day. But as humans, man, we like dodging the pain, avoiding the pain of decision making. We'd rather panic take no decision at all, 
or just let life try, try, try and take us along in its flow. We, we try, and, try and just let life happen and then take a decision. Well, our conscience is telling us what we should believe and how we should act. We shouldn't be acting to find out what we believe. Our conscience, if trained by God, will be directing on where our next step should be and what we should be taking. It's driving how we live our lives. We don't try and live our lives to discover what we believe. I don't need to read up on all different types of belief structures or if there is a God or not. No, I took a decision early in my Christian walk that God exists, He is real, and He is for me. Now I live my life based on that decision and I allow my conscience to constantly be affirming what my decision is through the Word of God. I don't let my life happen and then wonder why my conscience is so quiet. Because when I let my life happen, I get trapped in the flow of the flesh, in the flow of the world, and as a result, the Word of God in my life becomes quieter and quieter until it is silent. So what we need to do today is to understand, well, hang on, how do I take those momentous decisions about what I believe? How do I tell my conscience what I believe and then give it permission to speak into those decisions? We need to learn fundamentally what, what, I, what I'm saying is that we need to learn how to make divine decisions. It's the art of hearing from God when it matters the most. And I say that again, making divine decisions is the art of hearing from God when it matters the most. You see, when you're in that crunch moment, when you're in that moral crossroads, should I or shouldn't I? Should I participate? Should I dip in? Should I dip out? Should I step in? Should I step out? Should I do? Shouldn't I do? Should I put down? Should I pick up those crossroad decisions? That's when you need to hear your conscience, God-trained conscience the most, and as a result, make the right decision. When we make good decisions, there are fundamentally four areas that we're going to make decisions in, if we make them with God, that will bring benefit to our lives. If we make God conscientiously considering God decisions, if we make those kinds of decisions, we're going to have the power to make tough decisions. The first thing you want to write down or follow in the notes, click on the notes tab, is conscientious divine decisions are allowing us to have the power to make the right decisions, to make the tough decisions. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes decisions take a bit of power. Sometimes decisions take a little bit of you being forthright, taking the lead, taking a step, doing something dangerous. Maybe it's breaking that habit. Maybe it's putting down that addiction. Maybe it's stepping out into a new area of your life that you've never, ever decided you wanted to go into. It's a new beginning for you. You're going to need some power in your decisions. And when we allow God to speak His promise through our conscience, the promise through the conscience gives us the power to make the tough decisions. Sometimes that might be a child that has gone off the path, that is maybe consuming and stealing money to have a drug abuse or a drug habit. And you need to take a tough decision, a power-failed, tough decision. 
Well, if you allow God to speak to you through your conscience, allow that to filter through the Word of God, you will, be having, you will have the direction to take those powerful yet tough decisions. If we are using God's direction and the Word of God to filter through our conscience and speak to us, the second area when we need it, when we need to take those wise decisions, whether to invest or not, buy that house or not, go to Bible college or not. No, that's not a decision you should be taking. That's an easy one. You go to Bible college. But when you have a look at, at, at wisdom, when you have a look at the, the wisdom of God, you're not going to get that by your own mental process. No, you're going to have to allow God's word to come up through you. You're going to probably get a conscientious decision to say, hey, before you make the decision, talk to somebody who is wise in this area that you can trust. That's making a wise decision before you make the decision. You see, we need to understand that not only will the, the conscientious, divine decision give us power, it will also give us wisdom. And when we have power and wisdom together, man, you can be confident about the decision you make. You can stand up and say, I know God wants me to take this decision. It might be crazy. In fact, Scripture calls you peculiar, and we'll read that Scripture later. Sometimes the decisions to your friends and your family who don't get God will look rather peculiar to them. They'll look at you and go, what are you doing? Selling your home to go and, and, and study God's word? Are you crazy? Well, probably, but at least you can step forth in wisdom and you can step forth in the power of God's promise over what you're doing because you're doing it with the right motivation. So not only will you have power, not only will you have wisdom, but you will also have the confidence in the God-oriented divine decision that you need to take. And then finally, because you've got the confidence, another word for confidence is assurance. And assurance, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, is the basis of our faith. God-honoring, conscientious, divine decisions will build your faith. As you step out into areas of your life that you know that you cannot do on your own, but you have power, you have wisdom, and you have confidence to do anyway, watch your faith build. Watch it grow. Maybe that's moving from one country to another country because God has asked you to do that. Maybe that's, maybe that's studying something else. Maybe that's taking a college course that you might think is a little bit above your IQ. Maybe that's doing something a little bit differently. Maybe that's leading and parenting in a new way. Maybe that's growing up and, and honoring your honor that you need to give your parents and forgive them for the hurts that they've given you. Maybe it's stepping up and picking up the telephone and saying, hey, I want to say that I want to ask your forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong. Maybe it's taking a decision to allow grace to flow and not hurt, not anger, and not, not bitterness flow. No, maybe it's, it's just changing your life today and taking a decision and saying, I need to accept some of this wisdom, some of this power, some of this confidence, some of this faith, and you need to put up your hand today and say, I accept Jesus for the first time. Whatever your decision is, Take them with God, speaking through your conscience and the Word of God, and you will find that power, wisdom, confidence, and faith are the order of the day in your decision-making process. There's only one book of the Bible that's written about the future. 
well, kind of a whole lot of books, really, but one dedicated to the so-called eschatological times of our, of our era, of our, of our time. It's, it's the book of Revelation. We know that there's plenty of prophetic word in Ezekiel and Daniel. Hey, even in Thessalonians and, and Timothy, there's prophetic word. But really, when it comes down to the end times, we, we only really have one book that's dedicated to that. That book's not really dedicated to the end times. It's actually dedicated to bearing witness to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He will do as our King. But many people have bantered around saying, well, that's the book of the future. That's the Nostradamus of, of the Bible. Well, He talks very little, in fact, God does, about the future. He promises, He, he, he tells us that we can have we, we, we've got a life of abundance in store for us, but he speaks very little about the future because God actually speaks very much around the sowing and the reaping principle. He speaks very much about what you are sowing that will affect your future. God really wants us to put in the work now, take the tough decisions now so that we can have the promise. He really is about building the character before he looks at the deed. Can I say that again? He's very much about building the character and not so much about the deed. He wants you to have faith before you have the works. He doesn't want you to have the works to try and prove your faith. Faith without works is dead, but he still wants you to have the faith first because he knows if you sow in faithfully, if you sow in powerfully, if you sow in confidently, if you sow in wisdom, you're going to reap a good reward. You're going to reap a good future. So I wanted to understand, and this is kind of why I looked at this message today, was, was I wanted to understand, well, okay, what does God want me to sow? What does God want me to put into my life? What does God want me to be doing with my life? Remember our original question, what's God's will for my life? What decisions do I need to take to start walking out God's will for my life? What does God really care about? I mean, I know He cares about me. I know He cares about you. But what does God really care about? And when I have a look at the sowing and reaping principle, He cares more about who I'm becoming than what I'm doing. Can I say that again? He's more about who you're becoming and not what you are doing. We kind of go take our, our decisions to God, and it's awesome that we take all of our decisions to God. But sometimes we go over the top. Let's just be real. It's easier to take a decision with God about what vehicle to buy than to take a decision with God to extend forgiveness. You see, taking a decision with God to extend forgiveness is building our character. That's the who we're becoming. But really, buying a motor vehicle and taking a decision about buying a motor vehicle is the what we're doing, isn't it? We are so ready to take our what decisions to God. We want to hear from God where we should move, what job we should do. And even though God really cares about those things, He really wants to hear decisions with you that's changing you, that's building you, that's shaping your character, that's allowing the Holy Spirit to work through your conscience and grow you up into something far greater than what your job is, what motor vehicle you have, and what suburb you live in. You see, God is really focused 
on building you into a better who. He really isn't focused on the what. Oh, if you're building into a better who, your what will become better. He knows that. He knows the sowing and the reaping principle. He knows that if he sows faith, there will be no dead works. He knows that if you sow in wisdom, there will be no stupidity. He knows that if you sow in power, there won't be any thought process that you're not good enough. He knows that if you put the right who and the right who into your character and build that character and allow your God-trained conscience to build you, well then, hey, you know what? The right what will come along as well. So what does God really care about? Well, he cares about the who before the do. I know this sounds like a Dr. Zeus book, but this is really what it is. He cares about the who before the do. He's more concerned about who you are becoming than what you are doing. So who is it that God wants me to become? Because if I know who God wants me to become well, then I know what decisions I need to take along the way. If moving to this suburb is going to get me closer to the goal of becoming the who God wants me to be, the decision to move suburbs is easy. If I know that a particular job is going to take me closer, is going to build my character, is going to improve my relationship with God, is going to make my card train conscience louder, well, then quite easily the who is the what becomes really easy. Here's God's will. For your life. If you're sitting close to your screen, lean forward. I want to tell you the secret that everybody has avoided in listening to in the questions, what is God's will for my life? First Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, God says, this is your will. Your will, His will for your life is for you to be holy, set apart, different. Well, what's different to the world? There's only two masters, right? There's only the world and Satan, and Jesus and his kingdom. And so if I need to be different from the world, if I need to be set apart, I need to be made holy. God's will is for us to stop doing it the world's way and do it Jesus' way. In fact, he goes even further in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 and says this, you have been chosen. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show praise of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You see, by calling you out of the world, he has made you holy. He has set you apart. He has said, make some different decisions to what the world makes. Don't do it the way the world does it, Romans chapter 12. Don't think the way the world thinks. Don't make decisions the way the world makes them. Make them peculiarly. Make them different. Make them in a holy way. And the only way to make them holy is to build who you are, not what you're doing. The world wants to look at what you do. It'll tell you, let your conscience tell you, please, that working nine to five and then all of that overtime to have that extra money is a good thing. And God is saying, no, 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 that's what you're doing, not who you're becoming. Who you're becoming is a poor father, not spending time with your family, not able to relate to your teenagers because you're so busy working. You're doing the what, not the who. You're 
doing the do, not the who. God says, think a whole lot differently. Think, here's the kicker, think like Jesus. Have the mind of Jesus. Jesus wanted to grow in stature with both God and man. He wanted to become a better man. He wanted to become a better being. He wanted to improve all the beings around him. He wanted to save everybody. He wanted to bring everybody with him into eternity. He was focused on the who, not the do. You see, God wants us to become this holy nation set aside. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Yes, Jesus was busy. Jesus was very busy. But the Bible never ever speaks about Jesus becoming the reigning Jewish king again in the secular state. That would have been a logical thing for Jesus to do. But he had a whole bigger message. He had a whole bigger reason for being. It was about who Jesus was, not what Jesus was doing. God is calling us to have the mind of Christ. And Christ thinks or thought in character-building qualities. You see, I can call myself a pastor until I'm blue in the face. I'd rather have integrity than be a pastor. I'd I'd rather have honesty as a trait than be a pastor. I can only be a pastor if I'm working on those traits, right? You don't want a pastor that's working on being dishonest. You don't want a pastor that's working on a lack of integrity. No, you want someone that you can look towards to teach you, to help you, to grow you, to serve you, that's honest, that has integrity, that is trying to do what he's been called to do. Working with God to become holy is what I've been called to do, not be a pastor. I've been called to be different from the world. I've been called to, to, to lead my children differently, to treat my wife differently, to do my business differently, to handle my money differently. No, I, I handle my money with generosity. I handle my money with a quality, not an action. When I'm handling my things with a quality of Jesus and not an action to do, I'm concentrating on who God wants me to become, not what he wants me to do. Don't get caught up in the what. Get caught up in who God wants you to be. Your conscience speaks in qualities and principles, not deeds and actions. If you're having the mind of Christ, you will look at a decision and say, well, hang on, what is the right decision? How can I grow? When things go wrong with your decisions, you don't go, woe is me. You go, let's go back to the drawing board. I want to improve. I want to grow. I want to get better. I want God to teach me a better way. But when we think of the what and the do, failure is something that guts us, that collapses us. But when we look at the who in failure, God gives us the right to make failure and grow with it, to have an issue in our lives and move through it. His very grace is what we depend upon to make mistakes but still be able to press on. So the first thing we've got to know with our God-trained consciences is no matter what, no matter what, we're about the who, not the what. We're about the who, not the do. Our conscience, when it's Bible trained, will be speaking qualities and principles to us. Whether I marry this person or not, be faithful to Christ. 
whether I go to this job or not, be faithful to Christ. Whether I learn this subject at school or that subject at school, be faithful to Christ. Be holy. Be different. Think like Jesus. Think about the character being built in you, not the what your character is up to. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. The second thing that you need to know about working with a God-trained conscience in decision-making is that God is way more interested in the why before the what. Oh, wait, hang on a second. I'm getting confused with all these who's and what's. Remember the first thing? He's more focused on the who and not the do. The second point that we're going to be discussing today is the why before the what. What does it mean? Well, Proverbs 16 verse 2 cleans this up for us very easily. It says this. Proverbs 16 verse 2. I'm going to read from the Good News Bible. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives, in brackets, your why. You see, we understand that sometimes our motives don't come out the right way. Praise Jesus God judges us on our motives and not the outcome. Sometimes we make decisions because, hey, it sounds right. It looks good. We buy the house because it's in the right neighborhood. We make the right decision based on what looks right and what feels right. Well, that's one way of making decisions. The other reason is the real reason. The real reason behind why we wanted to buy that car is not because it smelt new or, or that it was a new flashy motor vehicle. No, we felt better when we drove it. We, 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 we felt like we'd taken a step up when we bought that motor vehicle. Galatians 1 verse 10 says this, Am I now trying to win the approval of others or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, says the Apostle Paul, I would not be a servant. I would not be following Jesus Christ. When we try and have the motive of looking good, pleasing people, being better, just because of what we've got, we're getting into a whole lot of what and not a whole lot of why. You can't get to the right place when you start with the wrong motives. You can't get to the right decision if your motives are selfish. And when you're selfish, your conscience cries out and says, stop. Do we listen? We won't, we won't do the right what if we're driven by the wrong why. Can I say that again? We won't do the right what if we're driven by the wrong why. Should I buy that car? Well, is your why transportation or is your what a statement you can't afford? Is that photo that you're taking as a selfie, is it in any way honoring Jesus, or is it to draw attention to yourself? Should I buy flowers for the wife because I love her? Or is this just trying to curry favor for something you've done wrong? Validate me, like me, accept me. I want to be part of are all motives that we generally default to. But that's not the motive that we should have when taking a decision. Here's our motive. Colossians 3.17 says it like this. God, I want to please you. God, I want to please you. That is my complete why for everything and every decision that your conscience will lead you to taking. 
The scripture carries on and says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through Him. That's both my why and my who. My why is to please God. My who is I'm becoming like Jesus. That's who I'm becoming like. Whatever you do, whatever you are, serve Jesus in your decisions. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, grow into being like Jesus, and you will always make the right decisions. If your conscience is Bible trained, it will always be talking to you in the qualities of Jesus. If you want to know your why, check yourself and your orientation with Jesus. If you want to know the who, check yourself, check your orientation with Jesus. Because if we're becoming like him, we will always be growing up, becoming better characters, doing the right thing, doing the right thing with the right motive. Oh, but Craig, I'm just a stay-at-home mom drowning in laundry, drowning in kids' poop. Well, you know what? Do that laundry with everything you can for Jesus. Because in, your, in His eyes, you are more than just a stay-at-home mom. And your conscience can tell you that because Jesus is at the center of who you're doing. Oh, I'm just a minimum wage burger flipper. Well, make the best French fries you can. Oh, but I've, just, I've got a job and I, my boss is a jerk. Well, love that jerk with every piece of Jesus' love in your body because that is what we're called to do. In the face of difficulty, we are called to make the right decisions that grow us up as people, change our characters and have the mind of Christ at the center of our decisions. That is what your conscience, God trained, God's image on the inside of you is prompting you to do today. God's will is a who before the do and a why before the what. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. And I say that again. If you're becoming the right who, God will choose and help you choose the right do. And if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. But if we're telling our conscience that we want the what and we want the do before we've become the who and the why, our conscience will just keep quiet because God will not force his will on you. But if we go to our consciences and say, hey, conscience, with the word of God, build me into the right who, build me into the right why, watch God bring us to the right do and the right what. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Luke chapter 11 and verse 28 is that scripture that I underline at the beginning of the message. More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Hear the word of God today and start making the right decisions. Letting your sinful nature control your decision making is all about, Romans chapter 8, is all about saying, hey, I'm going to be concentrating on the do. I'm going to be concentrating on the what. And God says that sinful nature, it's drawing you away from a life that I have. In fact, it's drawing you away from your death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to a life and life with peace. Remember, if we make the right why decisions and we make the right who decisions with God, we are going to be able to step out in power, in wisdom, 
in confidence, and in faith. I hope today that you have made some decisions with those four qualities. But if all of that fails, remember that God is way more about who you're becoming and why you do what you do than what you do and what you're actually getting up to in life and in your decisions. He wants you to make decisions that grow you as a person, more to be like Jesus. Because the more that we are like Jesus, the more we can glorify and magnify His incredible name, and the more His blessings can flood our lives because of that. I pray that you've made a decision today to stop doing what you've been doing just for because you do it. Calm down. Relax. Start listening to what God is saying through your conscience. Ask Him the question, Hey, Father, what characteristics, what traits are you building in me today? Uh, maybe it's just patience because you, you really normally knee-jerk react to something. Calm down. Sleep on it. It's going to grow you in your character. Don't jump to the what. Ask God to build the who. And the who is Jesus Christ in your life. As you know, we gather every single midweek period and we join in communion. And we're going to do the same today. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to just take a moment to receive and enjoy communion together. Let me pray first. And then what we'll do is we'll discuss what communion means. We'll discuss if, what, what it is. Because it might be your very first time. Maybe not doing communion, but maybe doing communion online is a bit crazy for you. So while I'm praying, you don't walk through the house with your eyes closed. You can just listen to the prayer. Go and get yourself a piece of bread, a cup of water, some coffee, some gum, whatever you got. And we'll celebrate communion wherever you are in the world together here as one family and one community. Let me pray. Father God, God, we thank you so very much that you are our Father, you are our God, you are the one that helps us become better, grow who we are, grow our motives into righteous motives. Father, we pray right now that by us deciding today to become more like Jesus, our decision-making process becomes easier. It becomes with power. It comes with that kind of confidence that you give us. It comes with wisdom and it comes with faith. Father, if we can just start becoming like Jesus as people, those kinds of decisions will become the order of the day. And so, Father, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you that all that you are doing and working in us. Place your word firmly in our hearts and allow our consciences to shout it out to us so that we know where to go, whether left or whether right. Your voice is always behind us, guiding us and leading us. And we pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I hope by now that you've uh, managed to get yourself something to celebrate communion with. And what communion is is simply saying is that I believe in what Jesus did. I believe in what he said about me. I believe his promises. I believe that I can trust him. I believe that my will is worse off without him than with him. That if I join who I am with him, that we can become supernatural beings that are able to attain supernatural things. The whole communion thing is pretty crazy. It's not really natural. It, it reflects his body and his blood. Whatever you're eating reflects his body and whatever you're drinking reflects his blood. And it's a crazy thing to say that I'm consuming Jesus's body and his blood. Well, it's not really his body and his blood. It's simply saying, yes, I accept the body and blood spilt, shed, died, and resurrected on the third day. I accept Jesus into my being. 
So if you could imagine your, your, your soul, your spirit being accepting or consuming a decision, that, that that's what you're doing. By doing this in the flesh, your, your flesh is representing your spirit being. It's saying, I consume all of Jesus. I consume what, everything he means to me. Body and blood, there's not one part of him that I haven't consumed and are willing to consume. I want Jesus, just like we take this into our, into our bodies, I want Jesus to be in my spirit man. I want him to be completely there. I want to digest every word he spoke, every single thing he did, so that I can become more like him. You know, I said to this last week, but a lot of people uh, say that they're starting to speak like me around here, which is pretty crazy because I'm coming to you from Texas and they got a very distinct way of speaking. But when they hang around with me for a little while, they start to try and say words like I say words. And, and I've got the same problem. In fact, my, my uh, accent that I default to when I'm hanging around very easily, if I'm hanging around an Australian, a lot of people say I sound like an Australian. Now to me, my accent and an Australian accent are very different but to these folk here in Texas they seem to confuse South African Australian but the point being is that who you hang around with is how you will become you show me a man's friends and I'll show you his future well if I hang around with and I consume Jesus in my life I'm gonna become more like him I'm gonna start speaking with his accent I'm gonna become his character and you know what there isn't one part of Jesus's character that I don't want to become more like I don't want to be his clone I can never be the Most High God but man I can emulate all of his qualities and I can let him speak to me through my conscience if I would just consume everything that he did for me and so in that saying in that vein take eat and know that this is Jesus's body consume the fact that he came he died gave up what he had on the earth and was resurrected on the third day for you take eat and know that Jesus loves you Jesus's word was his bond he, he, his promise he made that he came for you, died for you, was resurrected on the third day for you, was his bond. And he was willing to make a blood covenant with you to prove that it was beginning to be eternal. Take drink and know, consume the promises of Jesus. They are real and they can be trusted. I want to thank you so very much for joining us from wherever you are in the world. Here's my last shout out to you. Hey, if you took a decision today, if that was the first time you did communion, that was the first time you decided, hang on, I need some wisdom. I need some faith. I need some confidence. I need some power in my life. I, I need those four things. I need to be a little bit more stable. I've been making some poor decisions on my own and I need to, to build my character. I need to become a better who before I do my next what. I need to have a better why before I do my next what. Well, I want to say to you that today is a day where you can take that decision. We want to help you. We want to journey with you through that decision and be with you as you grow into a better who. We want to celebrate your wins. We want to celebrate the fact that you used to be, but now you are something better. We want to celebrate the situation you used to be in, but we want to celebrate where you're going. If this is the first time today that you would like to receive Jesus into your life and you took that decision, this message helped you take that decision. You don't know what it means. You just know that you want more of Jesus. You want to consume more of his body, his blood, what it means. 
Well, right now you can click on a banner below or a link in the chat room and the hosts will get with you right away. When you click on the banner, this is what's going to happen. A little pop-up is going to come up and you're going to be able to just give us a few of your details. And what that's going to enable me to do is personally make contact with you. I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to reach out to you personally so that we can get to know you, get to know who you are and how we can help build you in Jesus Christ. We have a ton of resources. I'd love to be your friend on Facebook as we journey to becoming the better you. And so if you want to do that right now, you can click on that little banner that'll push up a pop-up onto your screen and I'll make personal contact with you through the week to help you in your journey. If you click on the link, the same thing will happen. I'll be able to reach out to you and just journey with you personally one-on-one through email, through Facebook or whatever means is best for you. And we can journey into making you become more like Jesus Christ. That's his will for you. Thank you so very much for making that decision today. We applaud you. We shout out to you. We celebrate you. And we thank you for all that you have been when you've journeyed through this decision-making process. Thank you for being that vulnerable with us today. If you do want to get to know a little bit more, if you, if you have already given your life to Jesus and you'd like to connect with us, please just click on that connect banner or click on the link in the chat room. If you've just gone full screen and you've been watching this full screen, I want to encourage you, go and meet one of the hosts from around the world. Go and meet somebody that's becoming like Jesus, just like you, is on that journey. Please feel free to be engaged with this community. It's real church, even though it's online. It doesn't default the fact that we are God's people. We are the chosen nation. We are the peculiar ones set aside to be the church of God. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend and into next midweek message as we continue the Conscience Series. Thanks again for joining us. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Be blessed.